0: Let's take our Bibles this morning, please turn to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2 this morning, and while you're turning there, I'd like to read uh, this for you. It sounds very formal, I'll explain why in just a moment. Kevin Joseph Wood and Kristen Lillian Bowsfield shall be wedded in holy matrimony on Saturday, October 24th, 2015 at 1 p.m. The wedding shall take place at Bethel Baptist Church at 4059 Queensway East in Simcoe, Ontario. Somebody asked last week, Brother McPherson read that, and they said, why does it and so formal? We're in a church family. That's the publication of bands, and we're supposed to read the middle names and the dates and all those things. It's part of an ancient custom for churches. But let me say this, the reason we do the publication of bands is in place of a wedding license. And so if you're ever wondering why we do that, you can get bands published in your local church, Or you can go and pay $80, $90, whatever it is, for a wedding license. Uh, The publication of bands is absolutely free if uh, both are members of the local church. And I prefer that. We don't have a policy at the church if somebody comes with and would rather purchase a license. But I prefer it that way simply because marriage doesn't mean a lot to our government anymore. And so for them to endorse it really doesn't mean much to me. But the fact that uh, these young people decided to have it announced in their local church, God still cares a lot about marriage. And so I'm, I'm proud of them and I'm thankful for that. And so that's why that sounded so formal rather than just a regular old church announcement. All right, let's take our Bibles this morning, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, just a few moments. Um, we're kind of having a Spanish service today. Did you know that? We baptized Caesar, but we're also going to de- dedicate their child cadence to the Lord today. And so that's kind of a fun thing to do as well. And so I thought, why don't we look at the dedication of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you say, well, is, is dedication really in the Bible? Well, Hannah took her son Samuel and gave him to the Lord. She promised the Lord that if she, she would have a son, that she would give him back to the Lord. But we see that in Luke chapter 2, the Lord Jesus Christ was also dedicated to the Lord. So though we don't have a command, we have a good principle in Scripture, and it's a good thing to give our family and our children to the Lord. So look with me in Luke chapter 2 and begin reading in verse 22, Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He came by the Spirit in the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord... Now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to, the word, to, to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold this child. Is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks, likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are thankful, Lord, for what we learn from the Holy Scriptures. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, to learn about Just the dedication of the Lord Jesus Christ, but there's so much more in this passage. So may we take it to heart and grow today. May the Spirit of God teach us and prick our hearts where necessary, convict us, help us. Father, I may surrender to you at this time, and I ask for your help. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would fill me and use me. And Father, as we do dedicate this child, Lord, that you would raise her up for your honor and glory. Bless the preaching of your word now, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn back to Luke chapter 2 and verse 22 if you're like me and had to turn the page. But I want you to notice some things in the scripture this morning. There's four things that we will look at. We'll spend a little time on the dedication of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's some other important points in this passage I want you to see. And we'll dedicate the child during the middle of the message today as we will demonstrate uh, what the Lord would have us do. Luke chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 22... And when the days of her, speaking of Mary, purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. We see, first of all, a presentation. The child was presented to the Lord. I want you to notice that as they presented the Lord, this was not something that they took haphazardly. This was something that was important to them and uh, yea to all the people of Israel. They, they were following after the custom of the law. Now when I read that word custom, I have to believe that this was not something that was necessarily mandated. Mandated. I am sure there were people in faraway places that perhaps could not make it to the temple. They could not even get to a local uh, place where they would have a synagogue, perhaps, and uh, they would not be able to uh, afford maybe the turtle dove or the pigeon that was made available for the sacrifice. And so, uh, but nonetheless, they could dedicate their child to the Lord. They could pray. They could give him to God. But in this presentation, we see that they presented this child with thanksgiving. The Bible says in verse 24, And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Whenever you see in the Bible a pair of turtle doves or young pigeons, you're talking about an offering of thanks, a thanksgiving offering. You don't remember that a blind man was healed and he went into the temple to offer Turtle doves unto the Lord. It was a, a, a traditional offering of thanksgiving. You know, the Bible says that children are a heritage of the Lord. The Bible talks about the man whose quiver is full, that he is blessed, he is happy, because God has blessed him with many children. You know, today it seems like we've gotten away from that idea, haven't we? It seems like a lot of people say, well, we'll have two children because most cars are built to carry four people. And we will have two children because our homes are only three-bedroom homes now. And if we have a boy and a girl, and, and they get all logistic on it. And they, they try to be practical with God. The Bible tells us that happy is the man whose quiver is full. Children are a heritage of God and they're a blessing from God. And I, I got to tell you, we, it, it's funny, as our children grow up, now we have one in college, we have another one that's beaten down the door to college, we have another one that thinks he's an adult already, and then we have Bethany, and, and I got to tell you the truth, as Bethany grows older, it's harder for me than all the other kids. I was excited when Brendan turned 16 because, you know, it's kind of a dad's dream to take your boy and help him get that first car and we worked on that car together and we, we, we went driving in that car and, I mean, that's just kind of a blessing to a dad. Now, my daughter, I wasn't so excited about the car thing and, and, I, and I, there, there's challenges when they get older too. I don't like the boys coming around. I don't like that and they know that in no uncertain terms, amen? Amen. And so we we're careful about all those things. But I got to tell you, with my older kids, I was always excited about that next thing. Oh, I can't wait. But That's going to be a lot of fun when they get older and when they're playing ball and when they're doing this and when they're doing that. And we go watch, you know, different things that they get to do and we get to participate with them. But I got to tell you, with Bethany, it's getting hard because she's the last one. And every milestone she achieves just says, I'm getting old. And it just makes it harder, and I realize it was kind of neat to see Brendan go off to college, and it's neat to see Emily looking at colleges, and I start to think about the little ones, and I think, pretty soon we're going to have an empty house. A Time flies so quickly. Don't miss that blessing that God puts in your home. That's just such a blessed time, and such an exciting time. And I've talked to others, and Mrs. Took how long was Alicia at home? It just went like that, didn't it? It just flies by and you, you miss so much if you're not careful. The Bible says they gave an offering of thanksgiving. They were thankful for what God had entrusted them, but I want you to notice that they presented that child holy unto the Lord. The Bible says in verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. That word holy means to be separated unto God. You know, parents and grandparents, we have a responsibility to make sure that our children are separated unto God. Now they're going to make choices. Do you understand that? Every do you know know that even that that I I was talking to um, Marvin Massacre, and they have a little granddaughter named Rosie, and I've I've met Rosie just a couple times, but let me tell you, the pictures you see, she's just a little sweetheart. You know, and uh, you're all thinking she's not as beautiful as my grandchildren, but nonetheless, she's just a little sweetheart. And I, I was talking to, to Marvin and Marlene. I guess we'd gone out to supper with them, and I said, Well, how's Rosie doing? And he said, Well, she's, well, well, um, well, she's perfect. He couldn't think of the word, he didn't know how to describe. He said, She's perfect. Do you know that even those perfect children have a sin nature? Do you know that? And then when they get older, they're gonna start pushing those boundaries. And and parents, let me tell you, you can instill the word of God into every child in your home, and you can still have one make bad choices. You can still have one follow a sin nature and make the wrong choice. But it is our job as parents to present them holy unto God. That means to separate them from some things. There are some influences that'll come into their life that we need to limit. That, that that we need to separate them from and take out of their take out of uh, be from before their eyes. Be careful what they're listening to. Be careful the friends that they're hanging out with. And so Jesus was presented holy unto the Lord, saying her par- the parents were saying, "We are going to be careful how we influence this child." Yes, Jesus was born perfect and remained perfect. He had no sin nature, but our children do, and we must be very careful how we. Put things before them. The things we allow in their lives and in our homes because we are trying to present them holy unto the Lord. And I want you to see in verse 27, when we think about this presentation, they presented in obedience. I'm sorry, I went too far. Verse uh, 25. Oh boy, I, I got it all. Oh, there it is. Sorry, verse 27. I was right. And he came by the spirit into the temple and when, he, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. I said earlier, the word custom there means that it was more of a tradition. And it was listed in the law. This is if you're gonna offer your child unto the Lord that this was something that you should do and if you're gonna present him holy unto God then offer two turtle doves and two pigeons and that was all laid out in the law. But God made allowance saying If you can't, then I understand. It was a custom. But Mary and Joseph wanted to be obedient as much as they possibly could. And so even though it was a custom according to the law, it wasn't something that was required by the law, they still said, we're going to obey the Lord. This is what God says is the very best thing for my child, And even though Jesus was sinless and perfect, they said, we're going to give him to God anyway. I think they understood that this is not giving the child to the Lord, this is giving ourselves to the Lord and raising this child. For the child will make his choices. The child will follow uh, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life at times, but we as parents must do our very best to present them in obedience to God. I'm gonna invite Ashley and Caesar to come with cadence at this time, and we're going to make this very prayer. We're gonna ask God to help them to be obedient parents. We're going to ask them to be thankful for their children and because of the love that they have for Cadence that they might raise her in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. But we want to present her holy before the Lord. Not that as I pray, pray there's any value in it other than we're asking God for help. It will not impart salvation unto her. But simply saying that we want to do our very best to set her apart unto God. We wanna be sure that we are putting the right things before her. That you're the right example to her. That you're an an encouragement rather than uh, taking her away from the things of God. Your father's here today, so grandpa's here as well. And we'll give him the same challenge that he would only be an encouragement for her to walk with the Lord. And that's all Mary and Joseph were doing. We're just saying to God, we're gonna present him holy. We're gonna separate him from the things of this world. We're gonna do our very best as parents. To see that he is raised correctly. I don't know if she'll come to me or not. Will you come to me and I pray with you, Cadence? No? All right. She, she came to me the other day, but she won't now. All right, let's pray, okay? We're going to bow our heads, Cadence. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this family. Father, both of them have been saved since they've been here at the church. Both of them have followed in believers' baptism. and Both of them have a desire now to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So, we pray that you'd be with Caesar and Ashley, give them grace. And Lord, no doubt they'll make mistakes. But Lord, as they give their child to you today, we pray, Lord, that you would help them to understand that she is your child. And they have to do what's best according to your word for her. The instructions that you give us as parents, Lord, they must follow them because she belongs to you. So, give them wisdom, give them patience and understanding. And we do pray for Cadence, Lord, that. At a very young age, she would accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. The moment she's able to understand the gospel message, may she reach out to Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that she would forever follow after Jesus with her heart and her life. And Lord, that she too would raise her family to follow Jesus. Father, bless the remainder of our service today. We thank you for this family. We pray that you'd bless them. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you folks. Amen. So in the scripture, at the dedication of Jesus Christ, we say a presentation. But I want you to notice, secondly, we see a people. A people. Look at verse 25. We pick up on the first fellow here. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost, or verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. I want you to notice that at this dedication of the Lord Jesus Christ, there were some people there that received a special blessing that day. Can you imagine somebody like Simeon or somebody like Anna? Anna, the Bible says, lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. I don't know how old she was when she got married, but in the custom of those days, they were likely 14 or 15 years old. Her husband would have died then when she was 21 or 22, but she'd been a widow for 84 years. That means she was at least 105, 106 years old. She lived at the temple and worshipped there day and night. Simeon was also there, and the Bible says, first of all, about Simeon, that he was a just man. Do you know that word just isn't used in relation to people very much in the Bible, but it is called of Jesus Christ that he was the just one. The word just means to be acceptable unto God. And in this case, Simeon's faith had made him acceptable unto God. Simeon was there at the temple that day it was a day of worship but I want you to notice that in verse 26 it says it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ and verse 27 and he came by the Spirit into the temple can you imagine Simeon that day the Bible says he was a just man he was a devout man he was full of the Holy Ghost and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and he's going about his business here he is a man up in age and probably wondering God Why haven't I died yet? But God had promised him he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. So one day he's puttering about and he's working and he's doing something and maybe he just woke up that morning and he's getting his breakfast ready and the Holy Spirit tapped him on the shoulder. He said, come to the temple. And Simeon knew something special was going on. I can imagine Simeon walking through the seats of Jerusalem, can't you? Good morning, Simeon. No time to talk. I'm going to see Jesus. Somebody else said, Simeon, would you like to buy my fruit today? No, I'm on my way to the temple. The Holy Spirit woke me up this morning and said, get down to the temple. Something special's there. The Bible says in verse 27, and he came by spirit into the temple. What a blessing when he got him. The parents brought in the child Jesus. I don't know if I'm reading the scripture right, but it seems to me like Simeon got there first. He was just sitting there waiting. The Holy Spirit told him, today's the day. And he made his way to the temple. The Bible says he was a just man, but he was also a devout man. Devout means to be careful, to taking hold well. It is a mountain climbing term. When, when you're climbing those mountains and you're grabbing onto a rock, I, I've never done this, but uh, I was just talking about the massacres. Jason masker Massacre did, did fingertip mountain climbing. That means without any harnesses. And he would climb those rocks and he'd pull himself up and he'd climb those mountains. That word devout means that you're you're pretty sure you got a good hold on it before you let go of your other hand. That's what the word devout means, that Simeon was absolutely sure he had a good hold on Jesus. He was just, but he was devout as well. And the Bible says he was also filled with the Spirit of God. And there's a point to these things that I'm I'm sharing with you today. Look what it says in verse 25. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. He was filled with the Spirit of God. Now think about this, of all the people in the temple today, Simeon was uh, devout, he was just, he was filled with the Spirit of God, but that Spirit of God gave him a promise. He was filled with the expectation of a fulfillment. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That word waiting means you're waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. You You ever waited on a promise like that? You ever, when you were a child, couldn't sleep the night before Christmas? Because there was a promise, wasn't there? You knew some gift was coming. You knew that something you were hoping for was under that tree, and you couldn't sleep. That's, that's, what, that's what Simeon was doing. That's what the word waiting means. He's excited. He's expectant. Boy, I wonder sometimes, we, we wonder, is the Lord going to show up? Did you come to church this morning expectant? You come here today waiting, looking to see the Savior. Sometimes we come and we've got the wrong attitude. Listen, let's have the right heart's attitude. Let's spend some time in prayer and worship before we ever come to church, and let's come expecting to meet with Jesus. Simeon was devout and full of the Holy Ghost. I want you to see another person there. We're talking about, first of all, a presentation, then a people. We see Anna in verse 37. She was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed... Not from the temple. I read that phrase one other time in the Bible. Do you know who it was? It was Joshua. Moses had just left the temple and the Bible has a little passage where it says, but Joshua departed not. He stayed right there. Anna was faithful to the house of God. She was faithful. Let me ask you this. Can you imagine how Anna would have felt If every single day she went to the house of God, every day she went and did whatever she could, swept the floors, whatever whatever they needed her to do, she just was faithful in doing it. And she'd go every single day, then one day, she says, you know, I am 105 years old. I could use a day off. I could use a break. Oh, would she have ever missed a blessing? Would she have ever missed... Out on seeing the Savior. Can you imagine the next day she runs into Simeon in the market. and Simeon, how are you? Well, I'm not feeling so good. I've seen the Lord's Christ so I guess I'm going to depart here pretty soon. I'm about to die. What do you mean you've seen the Lord's Christ? Well, yeah, yesterday in the temple. Weren't you there, Anna? You're there every single day. Every day when I go to the temple I see you there. No, I, I took a day off. Oh, can you imagine her heartbreak to miss out? On a chance to meet Jesus. But she was faithful. And her faithfulness allowed her to meet the Messiah. In verse 38, we see she was a great witness too. The Bible says, and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She must have seemed crazy. Hey, are you looking for redemption? Oh, I'm so sick of Rome. I'm so sick of this sinful lifestyle. I'm so sick of everything that's going on around here. Am I ever looking for redemption? Good, it's right over there in that little baby. What, Anna? Come on. Point me to a soldier. Point me to a leader. Don't point me to a baby. But Anna went around and told everybody, oh, it's right there in the manger. It's right there in Mary's arms. It's that little child being dedicated to the Lord. That's the one That's the consolation of Israel. We see a presentation, we see a people, but I want you to notice, and here's the important thing I want you to get today. I want you to see the promise. The promise. Look at verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. I want you to notice something very important today. This was a normal, seemingly normal day. That temple had lots of people there. Would, would you guess? How many people would be there? There'd be all the Levites there serving. The priests would be working. People would be coming just like Mary and Joseph. Some would have turtle doves. Some would have pigeons. Some would have other sacrifices. There would be money changers all around. Just like when Jesus was 31, 32 years old. Business would be taking place. They'd be selling the animals. They'd be priests inspecting animals. There was, there was hundreds and hundreds of people there. But only two recognized that God was there. Think about that. And you say, who were these two? Well, they were the ones that were just the ones that were devout, the ones that were faithful, the ones that were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were the only two. They were the only two. I wonder if maybe there was somebody off, off in a corner somewhere and Anna ran over, I, I don't know how much you run at 105, but she ran over, she's so excited, she didn't have to, I mean, she was floating on air. And she ran over, she told him, she says, hey, that's the Messiah. That's the consolation of Israel. If you're looking for redemption, look no further. It's right over there in the arms of that little girl. And that carpenter standing beside her. You see Simeon over there? He won't even let me hold him. That's Simeon. You see Simeon? That's that's baby that Simeon's holding. That's the Messiah. And I wonder if there was somebody down there in a corner and went, how could I miss it? How did I miss out on God passing by? How did I miss out on the very presence of the holy coming down into this temple, this child that has been promised for so long? How did I miss it? I'll tell you how. Because they weren't just. They weren't devout. They weren't full of the Holy Ghost like Simeon and Anna. Of all the multitudes of people that were in the temple that day, there was a scene that was going on in the middle that went unnoticed by hundreds and hundreds of people. Folks, I'm afraid that happens far too often. The Holy Spirit sweeps through a room and begins to move and speak to hearts and so few catch it. So few are moved. If we are ever to see revival in Canada, it's gonna start in God's local church. And it's gonna take an entire people that are just, that are devout, that are faithful, that are full of the Holy Ghost, that are falling on their face before God, trembling at their own sin, and pleading with God for his Holy Spirit to speak to their hearts. What a tragedy that only two saw it. I was in a meeting at Garl Lyon Baptist Church one time, and the preacher got up, and I, I, I don't know what happened. Well, I do know what happened. The Holy Spirit came by, and literally, he couldn't even read his scripture and i felt like crawling under the pew and and i i don't know what my heart was breaking and things were going on and i thought wow the power of god and brother Bacham was sitting right in front of me and he turned around and tears were coming down his face and he pulls out a white hanky he said, brother fear i don't think i can take much more preaching like this i said he hasn't even started he just read the scripture he says we're in trouble And then he was talking to me and he's looking over my shoulder and he says, but my people are unmoved. He says, look. He says, there's two or three that you can see are being stirred but the rest are just standing there and nothing's happening. What a shame when Jesus shows up and only a few are moved. Can I... Say that maybe part of the key here, not just being just, not just being devout, not just being filled with the Holy Spirit, the fact that they were both waiting. The fact that they were expecting something. They were believing God was going to move. And they couldn't wait. I mean, Simeon came with excitement that day, knowing it may be his very last day on earth because he was going to die after he saw the Messiah. We don't know how long, but he was going to die. Anna was over 100 years old. And one of the greatest soul winners we see in the Bible. Pointing other people to Jesus Christ. What a shame when so few see the promise. There's many here today. How many know he's here? He said, well, is he here? Where two or three are gathered, there he is. He promised he would never leave us nor forsake us. He's here. Are we acknowledging his presence? When we sing, are we just opening up the hymn books and singing those old songs that we've known for years, or are you singing to Him? You're singing to Him. I have an opinion about something, and somebody said opinions are like armpits. Everybody has them, and they usually stink. But I'll tell you my opinion. When the Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, I think He's talking from His perspective, not mine. You hear what I said? A lot, a lot of these churches today, man, there's rock music and this garbage going on. And, well, we're making a joyful noise, and you're not making it unto the Lord because he's not pleased with the world. It ought to be different. If my grandmother said, put some music on for me, she's talking about music she likes, not music I like. When he says, make a joyful noise on the Lord, we ought to do it his way. I don't know how I got on that. How did I get on that? It had something to do with it. Well, what I'm saying is that when we, when we come and we're expecting, are we singing to him? We're not, we're not singing for our personal enjoyment. I remember years ago, we were, we were at the dinner table, and uh, my mom asked Brendan to pray. He was only about four years old. And so he prayed. And you couldn't hear a word he said. He bowed his head and he prayed, and whoever was right beside him could hear him. He was just a little guy, right? Right? And he said, amen, and he started eating. Everybody else had their heads bowed still. And my mom said, I didn't even hear you pray. And I was just joking, but there's a lot of truth to it. I said, he wasn't talking to you. I was just joking with her. But hey, when we pray, who are you talking to? The Pharisees get up with their big words because they're trying to impress everybody all around them. Or are you talking to Jesus? I'm going to make a confession here. Please, please, please don't throw me out of here. Years ago, my wife and I went on vacation, and we were invited to go to the church there in town. It was the only Baptist church in town, and we went, and we were horrified. They they had their their music group was up there singing and the leader was in Bermuda shorts and a t-shirt. Now, it was summertime, but that's no excuse. And the music was horrible, and then it was the Bible came out. And I said, I can put up with a lot, but we'll see what happens when the Bible comes out. And the Bible came out, and it was, I don't even know what version it was. And I said, Oh. And we'd only gone because we were invited to go. I mean, if we would looked for a church ourselves, we would have searched it out. And so we left the church after the service, and I said, well, What are we going to do tonight? Where are we going to church? Well, we just go to church Sunday nights. I don't know about you, but on vacation, we go to church too. And so. I said, well, there was that big church out on the highway as we were coming in. I said, I don't know much about it, but I said, let's go go find out what it is. Well, we found out it was a Pentecostal church. I went, oh boy. Now, keep in mind, my children were only, Brendan was one and a half, and Emily was a newborn. And so I said, the kids aren't gonna be influenced. I said, if there's nowhere else to go, I'm gonna go to the church there because I hear so much about the charismatic stuff and all, and I said, I'd like to see what it's all about. Just I'm gonna go as a learning experience, so please don't crucify me. I went with my press credentials, okay? And I was just checking it out. I wanted to see what it was all about. There was nowhere else we could really go. So we went in there. And let me tell you, the choir honored God. Wow, incredible. But what impressed me most was a man got up to pray. They asked a man to pray and he got up to pray. And he prayed for about 12, 13, 14 minutes. And the power of God fell on that place. Everybody was dead quiet. You could hear a pin drop. Not once did I ever think he was trying to impress anybody. He was talking to God. And he let us listen. I came away from that service. I said to my wife, I said, what do you think? And she says, I don't know if I've ever been in a service like that. She almost became Pentecostal. She was speaking in tongues all the way to the car. No, she wasn't. They didn't do any of that there. What a time of prayer. You see, when we pray, we're talking to God. You're not not here to impress anybody else. Listen, the promise was realized because there was two people that were expecting God to show up. Everybody else he went unnoticed to. There might have been a few and said, oh, what a cute little baby but they didn't know that was holy God. Where are you when God shows up? Do you notice? Then let's look at the most important thing today. We've talked about the presentation. We've talked about the people. We've talked about the promise. But let me tell you about the promised one. The promised one. Look at verse 25. The one that Simeon was waiting for was the consolation of Israel. That word consolation, that's a great word. We, we, we get the idea that consolation is, they're there, feel better. We'll pray for you. The word consolation here literally means to draw them closer to God. How does your mother console you when you scrape your knee? A little child, she draws him close and gives comfort. That's what the word consolation means and Simeon was waiting for the consolation. He was saying, I need somebody to draw me closer to God. This is the guy who's just and devout and full of the Holy Ghost. Hey, don't tell me there wasn't a Holy Ghost before Jesus Christ sent the Comforter. Simeon was full of him. And he says, but I'm waiting for the consolation to come. I need somebody to draw me closer. Isn't that what Jesus did? He reconciled us to God. Because of Jesus Christ, now we can go boldly to the throne room of grace. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He is our consolation. He is the one that brings us to God. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, let me plead with you. You must come through Jesus to get to God. You say, why is that? Because God would take one look at me and my sin and destroy me instantly. But because Jesus Christ has mercy and grace and forgiveness, he, he died upon a cross and shed his blood and has satisfied the, uh, the justice and the wrath of God. And now I can come because I'm covered in his blood. I've been set free. I've been redeemed. And so he is our consolation. Verse 30 gives the promised one another title. It says in verse 30, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He is our salvation. He said, Well, do I need to be saved? Everybody that's a sinner needs to be saved. He said, Well, who is that? For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. We're all lost in our sins. Every one of us have done something that makes us unworthy of God. The Bible says in Acts 4 verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is of Jesus Christ. I like also that the Bible says in Simeon's praise of him In verse 31 it says, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles. That's you. Do you know Jesus Christ died for the whole world? Not just the Jews, but for you too. Boy, even even the apostle Peter had a hard time swallowing that, didn't he? Not so, Lord. (laughs) Man, he's got a lot of nerve, doesn't he? And I'm not talking about Jesus Christ in the flesh. I'm talking about when Jesus, Peter was out on that rooftop and that dream, that vision from God came to him. This wasn't, this wasn't somebody mistaking Jesus Christ for a man. This was God in heaven letting down a sheet and showing him that you should rise up and eat and take this light over to the Gentiles and preach to Cornelius in his household. This was, this was a vision from God, and he said, "Not so, Lord. Oh, the nerve." Peter couldn't swallow, but Simeon gladly said, you're a light to lighten the Gentiles. Boy, Simeon had better doctrine than all those disciples, didn't he? Because he knew that Jesus Christ should come for the whole world. Not only was he a light to the Gentiles, the Bible says in verse 32, he was the glory of my people Israel. He was the Messiah. He was the promised one, but they were missing it on that day. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's why Jesus came, that Israel might see his glory. And then the last title that they give him is in verse 38. We're talking about the promised one. She called him redemption. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning for just a few moments. Nobody looking around. Simeon and Anna came to the temple that day provoked by the Holy Spirit of God. And there they met the light to the Gentiles. They met the glory of Israel. They met salvation. They met redemption. And they met it all in the person of Jesus Christ. That's not why Jesus went to the temple that day. His parents took him there to be dedicated unto the Lord. But because two people were insistent on obeying God's call, being just, devout, full of the Holy Ghost, they received the greatest blessing they could have ever imagined on that day They got to look into the eyes of the Savior and praise the Father for Him. Maybe there's some people here today that would say, Preacher, I don't know that I've ever met Jesus like that. I have a head knowledge of Jesus Christ. I've read the Bible and I've I I know all the stories. I've heard about his healings and I've seen him walk on the water. But I haven't met him like Simeon did. Can I tell you that most of the people in that temple that sure there were some Roman soldiers keeping order? But the priests that were in there offering sacrifices, of the Levites that were in there doing the temple service, of the others that were inspecting the animals to make sure they were fit, of the people there coming from other countries and dealing with the money changers, but they had come to worship as well. All of them were Jews. You didn't go to the temple unless you were a Jew. They were all Jews looking for their Messiah. And I would say that they're, like us today, we look at the world and we look at the signs of the times and we say, oh, Jesus must be returning soon. They must have felt like that under Roman oppression. Being taxed right into poverty. They must have thought, oh, the Messiah is coming soon. And all of them missed it, except for two people who were sold out for God. Would to God that He would pass by and we wouldn't miss it, that He would stir us into a work in this place and we wouldn't let it pass us by. Years ago, we were involved in a ministry in a church in Hamilton. Stony Creek, Pastor Masker was still there. We had the help program come and many, many got saved that week and we were able to influence so many people and yet there were people angry about it. God had done a work all week and people were angry about it because this is isn't the way they used to do things. They were missing out on what God was doing. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and maybe there's one here today say preacher I'm not sure I'm saved I've not met Jesus like Simeon and Anna did I know all about him in my head I know all the stories I'm like all those Jews in the temple but I believe Jesus is speaking to my heart today and I don't want to let it pass me by I don't want to miss it would you pray for me I won't embarrass you I won't call you out nobody's looking around would you just slip up your hand preacher I'm not sure I know Jesus like that Maybe there's some today would just take some time to pray and say, God, if, if you would do a work in this place, I don't want to miss it. I don't want the Spirit to pass by and sweep through and I'm stone cold in my pew still. But God, revive our hearts and could I be a part of it? I think if each one of us would take some time to pray and ask God to revive our hearts, then we'd have a church revival. It starts one by one. Would you pray? This altar is open. If God has spoke to your heart, would you step out and come even now?